we encourage all employee owners to, to speak up and you know, say, hey, you know, why, why are we doing it this way? What if we did it this way? And, so, and, and try and have that resiliency to change to maybe find a better way to do it. So we want to replace the resistance to change with resilience to change. Correct. Summer, almost summer, right? A couple, three days, four days away. Yeah. It feels like summer today out there. It's going to be what? About 80. About 80 yeah. or so today? Yeah, nice nice summer day. It's going to be real nice. Yeah, we, we can look forward to the 90s later on. And the humidity, humidity and all that good stuff. And we need to be prepared for that stuff, right? We do. And actually, quick little you know throw in here is OSHA's got their national emphasis program on heat. So I know we've, okay. we've got a toolbox talk out this month for that and going over different heat hazards, but that's not our safety topic. Yep, by right the way, now. this is Cam Hager, our safety director. <laughs> Good and, morning. And, and I'm Herb. Uh, so welcome to Season 3, Episode 24 of the On Track Podcast. Cam Hagar in Spacious Podcast Studio A. It's good to be here. Herb. Yeah, it's well, thank a, you. It's uh, been a while. It's, it's pretty good to see you here. Okay, so we've got uh, no project awards, and I promise you guys, we keep saying that, but I promise... We're working hard on a number of fronts here, and uh, our backlog is such that we are being very careful about what we look at. Eric and Pat are, are very careful uh, with that, so we'll get news to you eventually, and I think it'll be good news and hopefully fairly big news. Main takeaway for today is we're going to talk execution. And a few years ago, I stopped using productivity as a rallying cry because productivity by itself, begs for calamity. So we said what we want to do is focus on execution. And so actually we developed a form for the foreman to fill out called crew execution look ahead, not crew productivity look ahead. And that's primarily because we want to make sure the other parts of what we do don't get lost. And those parts are safety, quality, and production. The three stools of execution. Three stools, three legs to the stool. Three legs to the stool for, for sergeant's execution. So Cam's going to have a safety topic. It's going to be more of a conversation. So uh, so we got what execution means. We're going to break that down some safety topic. We've got an ESOP question from Derek True. A really good question. Great question. Yeah, and, and I'm glad he, he asked this question because it has, we're going to talk about this word adjacent a few times today. It has some items adjacent to the question that are very important that we can address at the same time. We got a bunch of shout outs. Now, last week when I sent out the podcast, I said, turn your shout, in, shout out in right now. I don't know if anybody did or not, but you know, then you don't forget it. Right. But then I heard some people didn't realize that it was a podcast attached to it because you can't really see it Im- immediately in the message. So the podcast is going to come out with a get your shout out in. And we got quite a few more. So I think it worked. Uh, we've got a few new employees we're going to announce. We've really got no announcement. We'll wrap up and kind of touch base on these three takeaways. Uh, but with that, we'll get started. And we're going to just start talking about breaking down execution. And you mentioned safety, quality, and production. And I, I just went on online and looked up the definition of execution. And it's defined as the carrying out or putting into effect of a plan, order, or course of action. So execution starts with a plan, but without the action, it's just 
collects dust, right? So without the action. Right. And and I, I think what's important to note is that within the plan, we have to have, as you said, not, not just productivity, but there has to be quality to that production as well as safety. Right. And when, when we don't have, if one of those is missing or either less important or more important than the other, they all need to be right in line to have proper execution and to, and to really be intentional and be effective within our execution. So we kind of talked a little bit about before we got on about what the, what qualities does action need? So we can have action that doesn't have quality. I mean, we've done it. We've all danced. Right. Well, I think you, you gave the example. <laughs> That's my example. <laughs> well, your example earlier was you can walk, right? I'm right. Gonna, the, the plan is to walk. Well, where are we going to walk? Right. You know, how far are we going to walk? Right. So that there needs to be, again, you need to be intentional about that plan or that so, action. So that was what qualities does action need or require to be optimal. And the first one we talked about was trust. If there's not trust in the group that the, that the plan is headed in the right direction or will get you in the right direction, then it's probably not going to be optimal. Right. And also I think for me, and I think for a lot of us here at Sergeant, in order to have trust, you know, we really, as supervisors, right, foremen, superintendents, we need to make sure that we're explaining the why, right? Yeah. So, so our crews and our employee owners really understand, okay, here's our plan. This is why we're doing it. And then this is how we're going to do it, right? Through included to include that safety quality. So, so I kind of call that the why is kind of the vision of where we're going. Right. It, they're a little bit different, but this is where we're going. This is what's what it's going to look like when we get there. And here's why at the end of it. What's what's the why? Well, in a in a pipe situation, the vision is we're going to get to this catch basin and we're going to set this catch basin. And we're going to do it safely, with productively, and with, uh, you know, put the quality into it. And the why is because we want to be called back. We want to be, uh, we want to be trusted in the future. There's a lot of value to trust. You know, right. and, and we, we talked a little bit about the intentionality of a good plan needs to, needs for it to be acted out correctly. Everything needs to be intentional. It can't just be here I am at work. You have to show up at work or at home, whatever it is. I mean, if, if it's a pig roast, you have to show up with the right tools, right? With the right intentionality. Uh, but in, in our, in our, in the way we're looking at it is primarily work, but you have to be intentional and show up with those qualities you need. And you also need to be well informed of what the plan is and how the action should be taken care of. Right. And, and when, you know, if, if you don't understand the why, right. Or, or the goal or the vision of what we're doing and how we're going to do it, um, you, you know, you're less likely to have buy-in into that goal or that vision, which then, you know, we're no longer being intentional about this plan. So it's, it's apathy right. at that point. We, we really don't care about the plan. We really don't care. Uh, and if, if that, if that plan that execution, that plan doesn't address potential hazards. It doesn't address potential uh, holidays and quality. If it doesn't address uh, weaknesses and productivity, then it's not a plan that people ought to be buying into. 
Right, because you know, you on the tail end of that, right? Ad- things that are adjacent, right? If if you don't have, if you're not bought into that goal and that vision and the plan, right, or or bought into that execution of what we're doing, then you know, you 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 might be rushing through something. You might not be slowing down and truly being intentional intentional about that plan. Uh, you might have a little bit of complacency in there because we don't, we didn't identify, right. right? We didn't identify those hazards, what we want that quality to look like and, and you know, what that production is going to be, right? Okay. Hey, we, you know, here's the production. We're going to hit this manhole today, right? Or we're going to get, you know, hundred feet or 200 feet of pipe installed today. How are we going to do it safely and, you know, produce a quality pipe work job? Exactly. So it's just uh, showing up with the idea that you're going to bring value to this process and this process, this plan, this execution, we also noted has to be resilient to change because one thing we know is that uh, there's another word we've got here called entropy, the lack of order or predictability, the gradual decline into disorder. And that's what the world lives by. That's like one of the primary laws the world lives by. If you leave something alone, it's just going to decline into disorder. So it takes energy and it takes resilience to change, uh, to, to be able to really execute a plan in an optimal fashion. Those external inputs can be brought on by a hundred different things. And understanding which ones those are, which one of those things can impact your execution plan is really important. And again, it's, this is whether you're, whether you're doing a pig roast, you're going fishing or you're going to, you know, lay some pipe 20 feet deep. It's, it's still being resilient to the change is if your propane bottle runs out, (laughs) I got to be resilient to that change. I've got to have one spare. And, you know, if we hit a, a piece of pipe, a sewer line that wasn't in the ground, that's all of a sudden we've got to be resilient to that change and be prepared to deal with it. And that just takes energy. The energy to me is in the form of uh, being prepared for that, for those potential changes. No, I I agree. And and I think, you know, the resiliency to change is not so much having that, you know, that plan B or plan C, right? You know, being prepared for what might happen. It's also, you know, taking into account that it's okay to do things differently. Right. I think I've, I've said this before. I don't know if I'm on the podcast or not, but one of the most dangerous things that we can say is that, oh, you know, we've always done it this way. Right. Yeah. We want to specialize in different. Right. We, we want to be able to adjust how we do things. If, if there's a better way to do something, and I know you've mentioned this before too, you know, we, we encourage not just our new, new, you know, laborers, operators, foremen, superintendents, we encourage all employee owners to, to speak up and, you know, say, Hey, you know, why, why are we doing it this way? What if we did it this way and, so, and, and try and have that resiliency to change to maybe find a better way to do it. So we want to replace the resistance to change with resilience to change. Correct. And understand, and we've certainly lived with it the last two years, right? Two yep. and a half years that understand that change is coming, whether we like it or not. Right. And as my dad, Jim Sargent used to say, change is certain progress is not. And we've got to we've got to see the change coming over the horizon. We've got to understand its impact on us, and whether it's the horizon's an hour or two hours, and you know you're crossing a driveway with a pipeline or something like that, or it's us as leaders of the company seeing out 
two to five years, what markets are going to be here. We have to be able to manage on different time horizons. And so that various levels of management are dealing with the right time horizon. Right. And so they can be resistant to that change. And, and in that respect, I would say every single person in this company is a manager because they've all got different time horizons they've got to watch after and, and their leaders as well. Right. And, and, and just be, you know, having that resiliency is, is key, right? Cause if you're not resilient in your change, then you're, you're, you're not making progress. Well, it's, it's going to disrupt. So it's, it's, it's taking the teeth out of change so it doesn't disrupt you and become a crisis. It just stays change. That's, that's really it. it. It stays something that we've always got to deal with, but it's not something that disrupts us. And we're going to have disruptions. I mean, that's the, that's the world. Right. We're going to have disruptions, but trying to be resilient to those. And as a company, we've worked really hard to build up our resilience in a lot of different ways, financially, in our execution, uh, in our estimating, in the way we administer things here in the office, in the way we manage our equipment fleet. So we've really built a lot of resilience into the company. Now, it's, I love talking about execution. It's a key part of what we do, Herb, and I think it's- Well, a, it is what we do. Well, yeah, you're right. It's not a key part. It is what we do. And and I think it's important to to touch on it because if you know if we're not talking about it and thinking about different better ways to do it, then again- we're stagnant. That's our job and throughout the company to think and talk about execution because if we don't, the next guy down the road is, and and we may be a big company, but I've seen big companies go down and it's because they took their eyes off the execution. And if by talking about it, we're continuously improving and that continuous improvement is not just with execution. It, it, it's with everything that we do from, you know, all the way out in the field to our shops, to, to what everyone here in the office does as well. So the attention to detail is, is one of those things that that prepares us. So I'll just talk about PPE, for instance, you know, safety guy here, so I got all right. The attention to detail we take on things every day that in a way you might seem like they don't really matter that much. But if we can't just do the basic PPE things, to me that tells us that we're not in the right mindset to execute safely on the bigger things. Right. So, so if, just, you know, the gloves, the safety glasses, the hard hat, the, uh, the vest zipped up steel toed boots. Those are the basics. And we ought to be able to, to rely on everyone to just, to just do those things. And if they get those things done, they're already in a, in a position where they've accomplished something. I know in the military, they say, the very first thing they want to do is make the bed because they want the guys to have a sense of accomplishment. First thing. So just to tie that example, Herb, in, into what we're talking about, right? If, if they don't, if our employee owners don't understand why that, that why PPE is important to, to the bigger picture, then that, that, you know, we're not, I'm, I'm not doing my job, right? We're, we're not doing our right. job. So we need to make sure that they understand, okay, how does PPE relate to, having a 250 ton crane on site and making sure that the crane plan is good, right? As far as ground bearing pressures, the rigging, the uh, signalers, the operator, all that stuff. All those small things like PPE, they tie into that bigger picture to safety, quality production, and ultimately our culture. So, Sounds like we've rotated right into the safety discussion. It it does. That was a good transition. Uh, 
I'm getting smooth. We're being intentional today. Huh? Yeah. So the safety topic I have today, it's, it's not, I guess, one topic in particular, but it's just something I, you know, I was listening to a podcast this morning and Herb, Herb and I, you and I were talking before we hopped on this podcast and they, they said something on that podcast this morning that, that kind of resonated with me. And, you know, we, we have all of these different approaches and aspects to safety, right? You have your behavior-based safety, um, you know, human factors, you got your safety first slogans. We have, you know, zero accidents and, you know, everyone's usually always trying to look for that, you know, the golden answer, right? How do we improve our culture, right? There's, you know, there's got to be one answer to improving culture. And what they discussed was that there is no one answer or golden ticket, right? It, all of these different things to improve cultures, a safety culture, a culture in general, they're all good. Um, and it's really just a matter of explaining the why, which we've already talked about, and figuring out, building those relationships and that trust and having teamwork between yeah. your safety team and everyone else. And that, that teamwork is, is really bonded well together when there is trust and everyone recognizes that everyone on the team is there to bring value, not to themselves, but to the whole team, to the whole company, to the whole effort. Again, if it's outside the company. Right. And I think, you know, what, what we've been trying to do since I, you know, since I've been here at Sargent is really, you know, we do care. And I know we, I've said this before on the podcast, but the safety team cares. You, you care, Herb. We all ultimately care about each other as employee owners and everything, you know, by caring and building up the team and the trust, I think that we've really done, we've done well with improving the culture. Do you know, are we perfect? No, by no means are we perfect, but we're, well, it's, it's never going to be perfect. We're always going to work on everything. It's the continuous improvement, right? That That's key. And I guess what I'm getting at is there is no one answer to, you know, making, there's no one answer golden ticket. Right. It's to, not Cam or Herb can say, this is what we're going to do safety wise. And damn it all, you're going to believe it. Right. It, it's it's <laughs> right? a collective effort. It's a collective effort. It's a collective feeling. It's a collective vibe. It's a collective belief. It's collective trust that we all go out there and, and watch out for each other. It's that's what it is. That's and, the safety execution, Herb. Yeah. It's all of us together. And, you know, I've I've said many times there's no level of productivity, there's no level of profit that's worth subordinating employee owners' safety to. And I love that quote because I know that quote resonates with me and and I hope that it resonates with all of the listeners, right? And all of our employee owners, because it, it it's true, right? That and that it Everything that we're, we always talk about, the slowing down, the routine and structure, mm-hmm. the execution, it ties into that quote right there. Right. I think that's a good safety topic. I think it is. Good. So we've got a question, an ESOP question from Derek True, a very good one. And as with all these ESOP questions, it's like a, it's like trying to wrestle an oct- octopus. There's, there's too many answers for me to deal with right directly today because there's so many different uh, individual scenarios that unfold just like the one we tried to address a week or two ago. There's so many individual scenarios, but 
The question is, what happens to an employee's ESOP balance if, for God forbid, they pass away? And so this is, I'm going to, I'm going to expand to other benefits right here, like 401k and potentially HSA. I'm not sure about that, but you likely have filled out a beneficiary form to who will benefit if, God forbid, you pass away. We have in the past, believe it or not, had people that didn't update their beneficiary forms. So we need to be careful about that. So I want to highlight the idea that right now, while while you're hearing this, next time you get a chance, be intentional about checking on who your beneficiaries are. So back to the question, who gets it? What happens to the balance? It depends on if you're 100% vested. If you are 100% vested, that will go to your beneficiary. That's the easy answer. I'm not going to go any deeper than that because it gets it gets pretty crazy. But uh, it goes to your beneficiary. Whatever percent vested, if you're 40% vested and you have $20,000 in your, in your ESOP balance, $8,000 will go to your beneficiary. If you're 40% vested and you pass away, 60%, the part that you're not vested, will go to what we call forfeiture. That gets forfeited back into the into the pile of stock that's there to be given out. And we talked a little bit about forfeiture uh, two or three weeks ago. It's it's incredibly uh, sophisticated the way this thing works, so it's it's hard to get very deep into. But basically, if you if you pass away, whatever vesting percentage you have. So in Derek's case, it would be a hundred percent because he's been here a while. Right. Not that I'm wishing any any bad luck on Derek, but uh, Derek, you're 100% vested. Uh, 100% will go to the beneficiary you have listed. Whatever's not vested, in a case like you, Cam, whatever's not vested goes into the forfeiture account, and that gets shared with everybody in the company. Right. So for me, I have I'm not vested at all because I haven't been here two full years yet. So whatever I have in my ESOP balance, if God forbid I were to pass away, would be forfeited back into right. the ESOP account to get shared out between right whoever with the people that remain in right okay i think we've dealt with that question i mean as i said there are so many individual aspects of it that to to get the answers you you got to really get to amy Soames and and she can help you tease through those different things but good time to check your beneficiaries yes and update it if you need to update it if you need to yeah don't just check it and why? Because we want the money to go to who you want it to go to, not somebody else that you thought it was going to go to. Shout outs. Shout outs. Yeah. Start us off. All right. So our first shout out is actually Christy Malik has two. And her, uh, her first one, she says, shout outs to Mike Miller, Jim Hawks, Eric West, Kelly Bragnan, Bragdon, Nick Falloon, and Matt Mills. I sent out consent forms to all CDL drivers, and these six filled it out and returned it the same day they received it. Not all of us are out in the field workers, but we all have roles to play in keeping the sergeant machine chugging along. These guys showed great respect for the job that we back office people have, and I appreciate you valuing my position just as much as you do a fellow worker on your job site. Thank you, and stay awesome. That's a great shout-out. That is a great shout-out. Christy's next shout-out is... I'd like to give a huge shout out to Jim or James McCarthy. 
I reached out to uh, James because I needed a road test done on a new CDL driver. He had it completed and back to me within an hour. I understand how busy everyone is right now, so to take the time to get this done so quickly was beyond my expectations. Thank you for being so awesome, James. All righty. Paul Burgess wants to give a shout-out to Tom Hanna at Orland Solar. Been helping on the ground a lot since we're short of labor. That seems to be a common theme. Uh, thank you, Tom. Also want to give a shout-out to the rest of the crew here at Orland, Billy West, Mitch McLaughlin, and Danny Whipple. Definitely a tough site, but we're making great progress. Thank you guys for all your efforts. Sean Powell has a shout out to Ryan Chapman. He comes to us with a lot of experience and good habits that has let him hit the ground running. Thanks for all the help and keeping up the good work. Another shout out to Benny Gilbert. He's always willing to help with whatever he can, does an excellent job of managing trucks and materials, and always has a great attitude. A true sergeant. I I love hearing that really affirmative uh, shout out of the new guys, you know, really welcoming those new guys and, and recognizing them for their, for their impact. Chris Pollard has a shout out to Ricky Powell down in uh, Virginia. He's making a project smooth and making a team out of new guys at AVCO. Great shout out. So Doug Dyer would like to give a shout out to Doug Barnes and Scott Moon for going above and beyond to give people opportunities when they can to help our Sergeant family grow. That's a really good one. Yeah. Uh, RJ Russell always in with a shout out, shout out to Clayton white. He always calls and gives excellent directions to equipment placement for a smooth delivery. Also, I labored with Clayton and he's a true professional construction ear. Shout out to Ryan Motory at Waterville taxiway, still on point with his team, but yet always helps me fuel. Also Ryan's paver, Brick achievement at Augusta two years ago still looks fantastic. Let's roll. Shout out to Monique Nichols. I couldn't do this without your help. You rock, gal. Another great shout out from RJ. Uh, Pete Perizzo has a shout out to Allison Doherty. Her dedication to ensure that our employee owners get paid every week is admirable. Thank you, Allison. Yeah, she's always on point. I don't think in the 17 years I've been here in Stillwater, I've ever heard of one complaint. All right, Matt Tebow, when our curbing didn't show up with the resources required to finish curb installation on Friday, which needed to be complete prior to our scheduled paving on Sunday night, so this is Friday, it didn't show up, our crews stepped up and came together to ensure it got done. Shout out to everyone that stayed late on Friday, including Forrest Green, Trent Cullinan, Dave Terrio, Jay Wilson, Calvin Smith, Mike Cole, Nick Sanborn, Justin Todd, and a special shout-out to Chris Lee, who led the charge. The final piece of granite was placed just as the sun set on the horizon on Friday night. That is a great shout-out. That's a great shout-out. Our next shout-out is from Seth Fern, and he says, Thank you to the whole Sanford crew for staying late every night last week. It was some of the hardest pipe on the job. Yeah, it's been long days over there in, in Sanford, and those guys are doing a great job. Tim LePage, great job to the whole crew in Perry at the Coast Guard site. We were unable to find a subcontract to install our concrete sidewalks. After a short conversation, we decided to place them ourselves, and the crews are doing awesome placing them. Crew is Keith Edgecombe, Chris Wilson, Will Fitch, Garrett Grass, and Jason Harkins. Our next shout-out is from Ben Lee, and he wants to give a shout-out to the entire Kingfield crew. We hit a good milestone this week, finishing the last of the underdrain for the project. Nick Kinney. Tyler Pinkham, Kyle Sally, Freddie Wentworth, Chris Plord, 
Oren, Urquhart, all have been doing an exceptional job over the past month or so, putting in the work and honing their craft. Yeah, Excellent that's great. Job. Yep. Jeff Marsh gives a shout out to Doug Morrison. Uh, Doug and Jeff used to work together when Doug was down in Virginia uh, leading that charge. He gives a shout out to Doug Morrison for going above and beyond to gather information to substantiate an issue that saves our employee owners money. Our next shout out is from Tim Richards to the maintenance department crew that were involved in the repair of the cone crusher in the quarry last week, at times working through less than desirable weather to get it back up and running. Pretty critical piece of work that we had to had to get back together and um, really thank those guys for jumping in there. Uh, so great shout outs. We're going to go to the Newton Grindle Leave It Better Than You Found It Award. And we talked a little bit about this. There's, I mean, so many of these are so great and uh, not taking anything away from the, the maintenance crew in, in Plymouth. Uh, but we're going to go to Matt Tebow's you know, the guys that jumped in when the curbing sub didn't show up. Right. I mean, you got this work and you're expecting somebody to come in and do the work and the guy doesn't show up. So it's all hands on deck. Everybody says we got to do what we got to do and they stick in there and do it. And so we're going to give a $50 gift certificate and the Newton Grindle Leave It Better Than You Found It Award to Matt Tebow because he placed the shout out in there. Forrest Green, Trent Cullinan, Dave Terrio, Jay Wilson, Calvin Smith, Mike Cole, Nick Sanborn, Justin Todd, and Chris Lee. That's an expensive award. It is. I'm glad to but, do it. But well-deserved. Well-deserved. So let's give everybody a hand. All righty. So we're going to go on to new employees. And we've got uh, a little charge of them here, about 10. I'm going to just rattle them off here. Austin Moores joins us as a welder. Michael Tripp is Sergeant Construction Academy. Cole Corson, Sergeant Construction Academy. Raiden Cruz, Sergeant Construction Academy. Nathaniel Mosher, Sergeant Construction Academy. Garrett Graves, the superintendent for the New Hampshire region. Had a chance to, uh, to talk to him a fair amount yesterday evening and, and really enjoyed talking to him. Patrick McNulty, heavy equipment operator, Seamus Eliconis, laborer, and Clayton Solomon, SCA, Sergeant Construction Academy. So welcome, folks. I'm going to toss a shout out in here for Heather because she's really, you know, when, when we said we need to hire 120 people, I mean, you tell somebody that in this market, it's it's really amazing. It's no easy task, and, and she really has done a great job. So shout yeah. out to you, Heather. Shout out to Heather. So no announcements this week, but uh, I just want to just hit on the three takeaways again for today. Try, I'm trying to be more intentional about what the takeaways are. Uh, so the takeaway is is really considering the things it takes for optimal execution. Right. And those things that we went through. Um, the safety point, that there's no one thing. It's all of us bound together and watching out for each other that makes safety, safety. Correct. And then the ESOP question is, what happens if I die? What happens to my ESOP? And that is, uh, it depends. But it likely will go to your 
uh, well, it will go to where whoever your beneficiary is. If you don't have a beneficiary, it'll go to your estate, but only that portion that is vested. The unvested portion will go back into the benefit of the employee owners. And just to reiterate again, make make sure that your beneficiary listed is who you want that money to go to. Right. Very good point. With that said, we're going to wrap this thing up. We're, st- we're getting these in around 35 minutes. I like that. It ain't bad. Yeah. So uh, anything to say? Zero accidents. All right. Zero accidents. What things are adjacent to execution that you can think of to help? 